Welcome to Afternoon Delight. Real people, real stories, a local podcast for local artists. So I like to think that I am a jack of all trades and that I spend a lot of my life um, wanting to do various projects. Um, This is because I obviously get very bored very easily and I'm an artist uh, struggling during the pandemic, <laughs> if I'm going to be completely honest with you. Um, so I think a lot of you might be thinking, why did I do this? Um, you know, why am I now choosing to do a podcast in my career? Um, and one thing, actually, I'll be honest with you, during this global, global pandemic has been listening to podcasts, particularly Oprah Winifrey's Soulful Conversations and Masterclass podcasts. Um, and I felt personally there was a need for a local podcast in Edinburgh and in Scotland really for local artists to network and to come together during the pandemic and share their work, their thoughts and feelings, um, have a nice conversation actually but also give them an opportunity to help showcase their work because artists are struggling. There is such a lack of funding available and resources available just now um, and everyone is trying their best to kind of carry on but as you can imagine being an artist um, that lives for performing on stage, um, if you're an actor, a drag artist, a musician, you know all these various spectrums of the arts are struggling and we need to come together and do our thing to help one another. So that's my plan. Basically, I'm going to do this weekly on Saturday afternoons. You will all get to hear me have conversations with other artists. This podcast, the first one, is going to be me kind of talking about who I am, what I do. um, And I look forward to letting you get to know me. So I think a lot of people know me and I've got a tendency to kind of take on a lot of different projects. I've tried doing things like YouTube and I've been a performer for so many years now on different stages. So I think we'll go from the beginning and we'll kind of talk our way through it. And um, I hope you like listening to what I have to say on myself in the most conceited way possible. Um, but I'm not going to be like that. I'm just going to tell you kind of who I am, what I do, what I'm doing currently. And we're going to finish every episode with a lovely quote to end on. Um, that I'm going to ask different artists or different people to come with um, in preparation. A, a quote that will summarise how they're feeling at present during the pandemic. And give us a bit of mindfulness to kind of live in the here and now. Um, I quote Oprah Winifrey now uh, in her podcast that you should go check out if you, you know, are into this, um, on, you know, the best thing we can give ourselves just now is time. Time to be mindful, be fully present in the here and now. Right, so where do we begin? Hmm. Well, I am Jordi Delight. I'm an artist. I'm a non-binary queer artist from Edinburgh in Leith. Um, I've grown up in Leith. I am a true Leifer at heart. I grew up in Drum Terrace, on Easter Road, I then lived in Leaf Links, and of course went to Leaf Academy High School. I mean, of course, I couldn't be a true Leafer if I didn't go to either Leaf Academy or Trinity. So I went to Leaf Academy and I was absolutely obsessed with performing. I did music and drama mainly as my kind of core subjects and English because I was a passionate writer. 
um, and I had a lot of great teachers who really pushed me into kind of fully realising who I was and what I wanted to do long term with my life. I was very fortunate that I managed to get into university, into the drama and performance degree at QMU in Musselburgh. I completed that in my third year and didn't stay for my honours year. But then I worked for several years and networked, met some truly exceptional artists from companies such as Imagine It and Birds of Paradise, um, going between the sort of Edinburgh and Glasgow. I then got a job at Scottish Youth Theatre, then ended up working at, uh, for Edinburgh Youth Theatre with Shauna MacDonald. Um, and whilst I was obviously doing all these kind of different theatre jobs, I was really lucky to just fall into the art of drag. So drag for me wasn't, you know, a, a plan. <laughs> it was never an agenda at school. I mean, I was very performative in drama with my pals, but I never would have considered doing drag. It was just nothing that crossed my mind, you know what I mean? Um, my mum used to take me to drag shows when we were in Turkey when I was 16, and she'd push me into kind of the queer community, which was lovely because I didn't realise I was actually queer fully until I was about 19. Um, I didn't really know how to label it. I often thought, you know, I, I came as bisexual because I was attracted to both genders and then I was a, I would have considered myself gay because at the time I was only dating men and I kind of realised actually, no, my sexual identity was queer. I, um, I then came out as non-binary recently, actually, in the last three months um, to close friends. And I just, a couple of weeks ago, came out on my social medias to my sort of professional work um, and contacted a lot of my employers. Um, I'm basically, I consider myself agender. I don't really identify as male or female. I'm very much a person who is just myself. Um, but I come under the non-binary umbrella of that. So... That's who I am at present in the in sort of last six months of this pandemic. That's what I've been realising a lot. Um, I, I want to take this bit now to talk about mental health. Now, obviously, I know there's, there's a big thing about artists talking about mental health. I think people consider it often a cliche. I really don't. I think <laughs> I'm never surprised when an artist um, reveals they have mental health because we have this poetic way of turning sort of traumatic experiences into art and I love that about our jobs. Um, so yeah, so I, during the pandemic, really struggled with my mental health. Um, I think everyone would have. I had what I would have considered an identity crisis. Um, so I went to therapy, to a trauma therapist for quite a while and went through a lot of bereavement stuff with my dad passing away when I was nine years old. Um, it was really hard, it was really heavy, but I totally came at the other end of it and made a lot of peace with myself. And I think for me, I've often said to my friends, the main thing with sort of inner traumatic relationships and conflict is you have to go through the motions. So I'm not going to sit here and go, oh yeah, you know, you're not allowed to be angry or upset, you're not allowed to repress things. You need to work out what works for you. But the conversation I often have is we need to end this idea that if you go to a therapist, you must be like nuts and you must be a mess. And I've often, from my own experience in mental health, talked to people about the fact that I went to a therapist first before starting antidepressants because I knew that as much as I had depressive episodes and really bad insomnia from age sort of eight onwards, um, which was the year before my dad passed away, sadly, um, I often knew 
that there was a lot of things I needed to talk about. It wasn't necessarily a low mood all the time. There was anxious thoughts constantly clouding me, making me feel horrific. And through going to therapy sort of for two and a half years, discussing things like um, sexual assault, um, bereavement, um, these were great sessions that got it all out. And then my antidepressant I got put on. So I'd, I like to end the stigma with this sort of stuff. Um, I remember Lady Gaga doing a video and with Oprah Winifrey on a, an event. And she said she was on antipsychotics for fibromyalgia and also for her own trauma, her own experiences of various things. And I loved, she said she wanted to end the stigma we have about things like antidepressants, antipsychotics. And I said, you know what, totally. I'm so glad a really well-respected artist has said this. And that's why I'm very confident and happy to tell people that I'm on mirtazapine. Uh, mirtazapine is an antidepressant often that um, helps treat insomnia or OCD, which just with the way things are at the pandemic, it's too much of a risk for me to go to a GP practice right now. And they don't want to diagnose me with something properly over the phone. But I have suffered with insomnia for years. And there's been elements of my life that have, you know, I've micromanaged to hell. I used to be an ENTJ, so I'm a massive control freak. But um, I genuinely um, used to get really bad micromanaging and control um, issues. So it doesn't surprise me if I actually had something like OCD where... I used to be quite compulsive as well. I used to like drink all the time on nights out. I couldn't, you know, just go have one and go home. I'd have to go have a hundred and then go to an afters and then go home after two days. Like I was young once. I say this, I'm only 25, but I honestly, like when I was 18, was really bad. And loads of things in therapy made me realise why I was acting out and doing the sort of outer child experience of, you know, my inner child wasn't coping very well, therefore my outer child was rebelling against that. Um, I do recommend researching Susan Anderson, actually, a writer, um, about more on inner child and outer child stuff. So I've totally realised that I'm on a tangent. <laughs> I'm an Aquarius with Gemini rising, so I would really get used to that. Um, I also heavily rely on social interactions. So right now, I just feel like I'm talking to my therapist, <laughs> which is totally fair. Um, so, yes, yeah, so why I started drag was I ended up... Um, me and Amy Lamore, another uh, fabulous Edinburgh drag queen, um, had gotten really pally with um, Alice Rabbit, another drag queen who runs the Rabbit Hole at CC Blooms. And we had went, decided we would dress up one night because we thought it would be a laugh and we would do drag. And we totally loved it. And I just remember there was a scene um, there was a scene we had where me and her were at Planet Bar. God, this must have been six years ago now. Jesus. And... Uh, we were doing the YMCA with someone on karaoke, but we were, like, doing backup dancers, and it just was such a laugh. So um, the Edinburgh Nightlife actually ended up becoming really popular for drag. Just It was one of those cosmic things. It just sort of happened. It started um, picking up in CCs with the rabbit hole. Chalkies were then doing a, a drag competition. The Church of High Kicks was on a Sunday at CC Blooms, and that was where I kind of got my first drag residency. So I ended up performing every Sunday in drag, um, lip-syncing for John Please Women's show. And it was a great atmosphere, a great fun, and a great starting point, definitely. And then, because I was completing my, completing my drama degree in my last year, I ended up sort of 
looking at things like drag theatre. So I ended up directing a show in my last year, um, which was a Midsummer Night's Dream show, but Club Kids, because I've, as much as I love drag, my main passion's always been the club kids scene from the 90s into the early 2000s, and even now, because I'm just obsessed with um, club culture, nightlife. I'm very much, you'll always like know that you know, I do drag performances and I lip sync and I now sing in drag, but my main thing is always putting on a dirty underground ravey night, um, but then breaking the music and chucking Vogue on and everyone goes off their fucking, like, tr trolley about it and I love it. I should warn people now, I swear quite a lot and this is not, you know, a podcast for children, it's for artists, probably 16 above, so if you don't like swearing, I would get off it now. So yeah, um, uh, in my last year before I graduated, did that, and then I got, I was really lucky that I got on to an ME in contemporary art practice at Edinburgh College of Art, and I've just completed it, um, and I was doing that part-time while I was working as an artist freelance, and it was, again, I was taking drag and sort of going, how can I do this in unconventional ways, because I, I enjoy watching things like Drag Race, um, quite enjoyed the UK one, actually, it was great to see people like Davina DeCampo and the Vivian all showcased, that was brilliant. But, um, yeah, I, I fell into it and just felt like I wanted to do drag, but in an unconventional way. You know, I'm not, you're never going to see me doing a death drop or split scale. If, that ha if you think that's going to happen, don't book me. <laughs> I'm the one that does the ballad about having CF and everyone starts greeting. Or I do, like, a club a cappella version of, like, a Kelly Rowland song. That's who I am. Do you know what I mean? I obviously meant acoustic, not a cappella. Um, it's quite late at night when I'm recording this. So if I make mistakes, we just got to laugh. You know, life doesn't come perfect and polished, unfortunately. A bit like my drag makeup, you know. Sometimes it can be amazing and sometimes it's a look hun, but we're not going to put on Instagram. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, so where was I going with this? Tangent Central, hmm. Ah, right, drag. So... I ended up leaving the Church of Eye Kicks and I ended up DJing at CC Blooms eventually um, and the street um, as well and put on a night at the street, which was, I was trying to do, like I said, for a drag unconventionally that I would DJ. I had a couple of drag um, DJs, Violet Grace and Amy Lamore were DJing at and that took off and was for about a year. And then I ended up encouraging um, people like Ellen Highwater and Susie Kay to do live PA sets. And then just before the pandemic, um, me, Lucy Jane and Amy Lamore were sort of doing a drag show night. You know, Glazed had that amazing thing that it, it often evolved and developed. And now me and Lucy Jane are bringing it back um, from my home, me and her bubbling, which is great, to bring everyone Glazed three times a month. And then I do a digital naughty for CCs once a month as well. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at with that sort of stuff. I think the moment uh, drag really became a, a focus for me, an actual a job, was I did my first ever solo show called Wasted Youth in 2019, which was all about sexual assault and trauma. Um, and when I was doing that, I got propositioned by the BBC for this documentary about me and kind of the fact that I had cystic fibrosis and what I was doing with my life. Um, during the day versus during the night, uh, and in between how I was battling having CF. Now, a lot of people that know me who are listening to this are like, oh, yeah, Jordy has CF, and a lot of people that don't know me will be sitting going, oh, you have CF. 
um, which is cystic fibrosis. Now, the reason I didn't want to make this at the beginning, hi, I'm Jordy Delight and I've got cystic fibrosis, is because a huge part of my life actually did become that. I ended up becoming the drag queen that had CF, and I'm very much, you know, I still create work about having CF, but things are so different now in the cystic fibrosis world and in my life. Do you know what I mean? Like, CF is a part of my life, but it's not my life. Um, and this documentary was a great way to kind of show people that I had CF, but I was also a human being. Do you know what I mean? Like, I was still somebody that was living their life despite having that. And I was also very ill when it was filmed. Um, I was undergoing transplant assessments at Newcastle's Freeman Centre because it was looking like I was going to need transplant in the next sort of year. Um, a drug came out called Caftrio, which is an absolute lifesaver. It's a triple therapy drug. And it saved my life, basically, and stopped me needing transplant. My lung function's now what it was when I was 17. And it's truly incredible. And put on, <laughs> I put on a lot of weight, so I'm now like, Christ, I'm now a size 12, nearly a 14. And I used to be a size 8 in women's clothing. So I'm having to kind of start working out more and eating healthier, which is great, you know what I mean? Um, not having to worry about my weight for once. But it's also brought some insecurity because of kind of, there's been such a drastic change in such a space of time. Um, and the mirtazapine also can cause weight gain. So that's kind of a thing to consider if you ever go on that in the future. So back to the documentary. It ends up being called Geordie's 65 Reasons to Live because cystic fibrosis often gets pronounced as 65 roses. So we did that as a sort of nice, uh, a nice thing to pay homage to the illness. And... The documentary was such a success. It did so well. It was on BBC Scotland for a year. It's currently not on BBC iPlayer, but they might bring it back. So it's that thing that um, eventually it might be back on. People can see it. It's had such great reception. They filmed my show, Wasted Droop, and put it in the documentary. And they ended up at the end saying that I was doing a, a show, not documentary, a show called the Delta, oh, love Delta F508, which is my gene mutation type, but I ended up changing it to the honeymoon period, and I did it, and it was a drag show funded by Young Scott, uh, all about lung transplants, and this girl called Haley's Life, um, and it was a show that was collaborated between me and another girl with CF called Katie Jefferson, an absolute icon of a friend, love her to pieces. So yes, yeah, so this these sort of shows the last two years, these have been the last two years. This was just back in January. I mean, Christ, it's just so funny because back in January, it was really ill. I was on stage doing this drag show, but I was on antibiotics with an IV line in my chest. Everyone's like, you're coming out and getting on the sesh with us after my show. And I'm like, no, I'm going home to have chamomile tea and watch Mary Poppins Returns. <laughs> that is what my life had became. Um, and then... the. I was just fortunate that this drug became available. I got on it as part of a research, um, a part of research uh, with a team from the hospital, and everything changed completely. And really weird, but parallel to that was the pandemic. <laughs> everything changed with the pandemic. You know, I was shielding for twelve weeks. So it's funny that because recently everyone's you know getting upset. And when I say funny, I don't mean ha-ha, I mean just interesting to me. Everyone's um, having a freak out because we're now, we're in a situation now that everyone's allowed to bubble with one person if they're single or if they're in a relationship but they don't live together. But people can't go and see each other, uh, other people. 
in others' houses and we can go to bars, but there's a curfew now. And I don't know, do you know what? I'm not a big fan of a political agenda. I don't like stuff like that. I, you know, people that know me know that um, I fucking hate the Tory party with a passion. <laughs> like, and that's uh, personal reasons, but it's also uh, due to Section 28 and the fact that they're just not a very nice polit uh, political party. But I'm not going to shove that down people's throats and make this a socio-political uh, podcast that you all have to listen on why I think that the Green Party are amazing and why I want independence and why um, the Tories can fuck off. Like, no, no one wants to listen to that. Do you know I mean, this podcast is not about that. But yeah, people are very upset right now and fragile. And what I'd noticed on Twitter was I've been talking to people, and this is why actually we're now, this is why I'm doing this podcast, is I've been talking to a lot of people um, other artists, particularly. You know, I'm talking to a lot. I've got a couple of friends that work in the NHS, physios, dietitians. Um, I've got a couple of friends that work in retail as managers and hospitality, because I'm a DJ, obviously. But I've been talking to a lot of people in the arts, especially, that um, there's an overwhelming response. And that, by the way, is a sentence any artist right now is hearing constantly. An overwhelming response for jobs that, you know, I've applied for 10 jobs in the last month. And every job I've heard back from has been weeks later or they are so sorry that it took so long to give me a response because they've had, on average, they get 20, 30 people every year apply for these positions, these commissions, these artists and residence jobs. And they're getting 150 plus people because people need money. I'm so sorry. I had to pause there because I actually just burnt chamomile tea on my leg. I spilled it. <laughs> Taking a sip. Um, so yeah, so people are struggling, right? And I am so frustrated and they are so frustrated. And you know, I'm so empathetic because I'm now an ENFJ. I'm not an ENTJ. I went to um, therapy. <laughs> but I'm very empathetic to people. And I just see both sides when I'm getting rejection letters. I'm going, oh, I'm so raging. I'm so upset. But then I'm also thinking about the people that work in admin and producing that are having to send 150 emails draft them, review these applications. I just went for an artist in residence position at my uni and unfortunately I didn't get it but just because there was an overwhelming response and they're having to look at, you know, people, um, where people are at and how it will impact on them and the uni and what they can create for the uni. And it's just so frustrating for them because they're going to have to, you know, I, I submitted uh, my movie I'd done for my ME and said I wanted to transfer it to an exhibition and do it live. And when you think about that, I'm one artist and they had 150 odd. Like, when you think about that, there'd be 150 applicants with movies. They'd be having to watch all the movies. Mine was an hour long. Then think about 150 movies that are an hour long, maybe longer. You do really feel for people on the other side. So this is what I'm having to tell myself every time I get a rejection. I'm having to go, well, do you know what? Something will come along. Like, I like to believe in intuition and that I'm very spiritual now. I'm very spiritually connected after watching all these podcasts. Watching, listening to these podcasts. I'm new, I'm new to this, so podcasts, I'll just go watch it. And I'm like, no, I mean listening. Um, I'm listening to things and getting very spiritually involved and going, do you know what? I actually know, like, something will come its way, like... Um, it's, if it's not meant to be, it's not meant to be, unfortunately. I've had to do it in relationships and, you know, it's like in friendships. Like, but I've had to genuinely sit down and say to myself, right, you've got a roof over your head. You've got some jobs going that are not, um, I can't talk about on this yet because they're not public. 
and I am working on loads of things. This thing is just something fun for me to do that I can help other people basically promote their work. So I do have some things going on. It's just a case of waiting. And that's what we're all doing, do you know what I mean? They're now talking about six months till next year, and I'm just like, oh, Jesus. But I don't like that whole lot could be worse and, you know, appreciate things. But I am also <laughs> sitting going, well, it could be worse, so I'm appreciating it. Because, yeah, it's a wait, but I did 12 weeks on my own, and I couldn't see anyone. And I was only lucky that, I'll say lucky, it's not the right word, but I was told by my team that I could bubble with somebody in case I was to take ill because I needed someone to help take care of me and it was my old flatmate who lives around the corner but I didn't see my mum for 12 weeks I didn't see my brother I didn't see anyone from work I've not DJed and CC's on the streets since um, March which is nuts so yeah so this is me just basically ranting now at this point but this is you know what I am intending to do now once a week you'll hear from me another artist of some uh, shape or form uh, it could be musicians it could be um, activists uh, it could be literally uh, famous people if I'm lucky and they'll accept my DM requests <laughs> like, but genuinely do just want to help bring people together and network and you know give themselves a platform of some way because you know Spotify is great for listening to musicians and podcasts so I feel like this is the best way to kind of do this for other people is let them come on, talk about who they are, what they do and give them opportunity to kind of get their work out there and showcase it because we're all going for this together. This is universal. Do you know what I mean? That is the reality right now is we're not, it's not just one person going through this, it's everyone. So it's hard. I'm going to give myself a shout out now and tell you about the movie I've done. So... I completed an MA in contemporary art practice and my main thing was doing, obviously, like I said, drag in unconventional ways. Um, that's been my career up to this point. Um, but the movie I'd done was a um, piece of film uh, art that I've never done in my life, by the way. So this was, like, totally new for me. I was like, oh, God, I'm going to have to adapt here because I had to adapt. You know, I couldn't... Um, perform and do my exhibition like it was meant to my degree show so I had to think on my feet and was like right what do I do here what how do I make this one accessible for people so they can see it two how do I adapt and use my sort of skills because I thought oh Jesus Christ how am I gonna do filming stuff and I, you know I was like I could just film me doing like videos of just performances live essentially but I didn't I just didn't feel like that was what it should be. So I filmed these uh, this series of videos that I've actually, one of them got commissioned recently for Unite um, Global Pride, which was amazing. I was really over the moon for that. I thank them a lot for actually commissioning me with that. And it, it featured um, an artist called Alana Watson, who's um, also queer. Um, and we did this thing about marriage and the queer community and growing up and playing brides and grooms and what did marriage actually mean to us in the so sort of social media, eh, huge social media um, generation we're in. So I did this movie and I did performances that were in different rooms of my house. So I liked, I called it the George's Dream House series and uh, I then turned it into a movie called The Covid Diaries. And the whole point was I worked with other artists, wrote pieces with different people, researched... Um, did one on grinder culture, did one on uh, marriage and queer communities, did one on motherhood and parenting, 
and internalising sort of repressed memories, did one on bereavement about my dad's death, one on oxytocin, which is a love chemical, because I'm a self-confessed love addict, like Alanis Morissette, and I'm now, I've gone off now, I'm reading this book called Keeping the Love You Find that she recommended, and I'm now on an off that I can't be an exclusive relationship for a year as of last week, which is totally fair, because um, I'm a Gemini rising anyway, so I get bored very easily. And I decided that the best thing to do with that was create all these pieces that were in reference to everyday life and oxytocin being a love chemical um, it gives us dopamine you know it makes us feel lovely it makes us feel ecstasy it's from usually you get it from having sex and kissing and cuddling and attention but you also get it from giving birth which is insane it's why a lot of um, parents that give birth tend to attach it's an attachment hormone do you know what I mean and it's funny because um, they, they often think that men, or cis men, um, particularly from birth, um, because of the high rates of testosterone, they don't actually experience oxytocin as much because they are, it's like they go back to animals. So they talk about how animals have an instinct to, you know, hunt and kill. And if they have high oxytocin levels for attachment, they can't do it. And they say that, like, cis men and men with high testosterone, or people, I guess, actually, with testosterone levels, I do take that back, actually, people, um, detach from love because they need to hunt, they need to kill, they need to live. That was essentially the whole point of my movie. And you can catch it on YouTube. I've made it accessible on YouTube. It's free. You don't have to pay, obviously. If you just type in Geordie Delight the COVID Diaries or Geordie's Dreamhouse, you'll find it. Um, and that was what I did during lockdown. And then recently, this was the last thing I'll talk about now, I was nominated by my friends and work colleagues for the Young Scott Arts Award um, for all my work, for the Wasted Youth, the Honeymoon Period, and the documentary. And, you know, sort of I hosted Pride as well um, on the main stage, and I did a residency with Imagine and Birds of Paradise, creating a re an R&D, basically, for a drag show for kids on um, same-sex couples and sort of LGBT education. And I'm doing other LGBT education videos back with a very high-profile thing, but I can't announce it yet. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, I'd been nominated for this award, and I thought, oh, Jesus Christ. And do you know what? I saw the two people I was up against, up against this amazing circus company in Aberdeen and um, a dancer called Ellie Ferguson, lovely lassie. Um, and I thought to myself... I'm not going to win this. <laughs> I was like, I am up against loads of people in a fair company or I'm up against this like lassie who's like 10 years younger than me and a fantastic performer um, who won this competition. And I was like, I'm just not going to win this. But I was like, do you know what? As the first queer, openly queer drag artist to be nominated, I thought, well, cha-ching. And then I got told to do an interview because it was cancelled. It was going to be at the... Um, in a conference center, but it was cancelled because of COVID. And they were like, oh, can you do an interview for it? And I thought, oh, yeah, okay. Like, and I was like, I'll get in drag for it at like 10 in the morning, <laughs> which is not an experience that I would uh, want to go through again. And then Gemma Kearney interviewed me, and there was issues, technical issues, and we were using Skype. And she said, oh, how does it feel to win the Young Scott Arts Award? And I went, Tiddle. 
and I remember watching this when they screened it live on YouTube and everyone's commenting like, go Jordy ass. And people were like, oh, you came across so humble and so genuine. And it's because she glitched when she said it and I couldn't hear her on my computer. And I'm like, did I actually? Is that what you're saying? Because I was so taken back. And you know what? Like, genuinely, it's something that all my working colleagues and family and friends are so over the moon for me for. But I remember phoning my old flatmate at work and was like, oh, like, you know what? Like, uh, you know, my drag is valid and my work is valid and I feel like finally I'm getting acknowledged. And she said to me, she's like, no, no, you're not getting acknowledged. You're getting respected. It's people are actually appreciating your work now. And I said to her, oh, I just, you know, I feel like it's finally, like, been acknowledged. And she's like, no, no. She's like, the fact is people are actually appreciating it and saying, yeah, your work is incredible and you should know that. But actually, you now are getting shown that appreciation. And I really like that. That's a lovely way to look at it, actually. I think as the sort of first queer non-binary artist that does drag to win it, I thought, you know what, like, this is in my field of work. I went working with kids and stuff that really, if I had been 13, 14, realising I was queer and looked up and saw that a drag artist who was openly queer, non-binary, had won this, I would have, like, my whole life would have been different. And I think that is what I'm trying to tell myself now in everyday life, is that some young person is looking at us and this is hopefully going to make a difference for them. And likewise, in 10 years, I hope they can make a difference for younger people as well. Well, thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed um, Afternoon Delight with myself, Jordy Delight, from Edinburgh in Leaf. I hope you can join next week as well for my first um, local artist from Scotland and me interviewing them and learning about them, what they do and who they are, and how they feel about the pandemic and what's going on currently for them in their life. I'd like to end on a quote that I, um, you know, I spent all week looking for a quote for this and was like, oh, do you know what, if, if it comes to you, it comes to you, right? So I thought, right, okay, I'm going to have a bath earlier because every night I've got my wee ritual before bed. I highly recommend if you have sleep issues to find a ritual, sort of a time that you start unwinding, things you do before bed that help get you into bed mode. We as adults need to basically parent ourselves at this point. And I was listening to Oprah's masterclass with Jane Fonda earlier and there was an inspirational quote that she just said and I thought, I need to share this with you. Jane Fonda says, it took me a long, long time to realise we are not meant to be perfect. We are meant to be whole. And she's right. You don't need to be perfect. You just need to be yourself. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe. And until next time, stay safe and remember to breathe. Afternoon Delight. Real people, real stories. A local podcast 